signs that are pointers that are pointing to um, the coming of the Lord, to the end of this present church age. And I, for one, believe with all of my heart that we are right there at the very end of this church age, that the next great event to take place is going to be the rapture of the church, the sounding of the trump of God, the catching away of the saints. We don't know when that's going to be. It's a signless event, but we do know from all of the signs that are pointing to the tribulation period, to the second advent of Christ when He comes to the earth, those signs that are pointing to that show us that the rapture, the catching away of the saints of the church is very, very near. So uh, in chapter 13, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 9. Are you there today? They've got it on the screen. And uh, so follow along with me this morning as we read verse number 9 of Mark chapter Mark chapter 13. Jesus said, but watch out. <laughs> I could almost stop and preach right there. Amen on those, on those three words. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you, notice verse 11, he didn't say if, but he said that when they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry. Are you there? Do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you, you need to underline that, it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. I want to talk to you this morning on this, from, on this subject, on the being persecuted for Jesus. Would you bow your heads this morning and let's pray. Father, we thank you today again for the opportunity to be in thy house, to worship you, to feel and to sense the presence of God, the Spirit of God that is so rich and real here today. I ask for your help, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I minister this, this word that you have laid upon my heart. I ask you to open the hearts of everyone here Give us clarity of speech, clarity of thought. And Lord, may the Word of God be fully understood and may it bring forth faith and hope and courage into our hearts today. And we'll give you the praise for it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen and amen. It pays to live for Jesus Christ. It definitely does. And we say that a lot, and we've said that, and we, you've heard that before, that it pays to live for Jesus, it pays to live for God, but not only does it pay, it also costs something to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible speaks many times in the New Testament about the suffering of the people of God, about how that Christians will suffer for righteousness and for Christ's sake. Around the world, every single day, there are 260 million Christians who are suffering for their faith, and the persecution against Christians, against believers, is getting worse all the time. 
Nearly 3,000 Christians, 3,000 born-again believers died last year for their faith. Eight Christians nearly every single day somewhere are martyred for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single week there are 182 churches or Christian buildings, worship centers that are attacked and um, threatened and attacked. Every month, 309 Christians are imprisoned throughout the world, unjustly locked up, arrested, and imprisoned. And in North Korea, in North Korea, there are 60,000 Christians today that are in labor camps in North Korea simply because they owned a Bible. Christianity today is the most and has been the most persecuted religion in the world. A lot of people don't believe that, but that is a fact. That is true. Over 200 million in 60 countries of the world are facing and going through intense persecution for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But here in this great nation, in the United States of America, the greatest nation on the face of this planet, in the United States of America today, it is not a crime to be a Christian, at least not yet. It is not a crime to be a Christian. But there are those who are working on that and would love to bring that to pass. The liberal left wants to silence the Christian influence in America. I think we all understand that and realize that, that there is a group of people today that are anti-Christian. They may not come right out and say it, but that influence is in the nation. There's a spirit of Antichrist today that is working uh, in this nation. Uh, the uh, writer John, the apostle John, in his uh, first epistle that he wrote, said that um, the spirit of Antichrist at that time was already even in the world. And so we know that that spirit of Antichrist is here. And uh, Christians today, here in the United States, you and I, Bible-believing Christians, who speak up for biblical values such as sexual purity, such as traditional marriage, which is between one man and one woman, who speak up for the right to life, and who preach that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only way to God and the only way to heaven and the only way to be saved. And Bible-believing Christians that stand up for those biblical values and stand up for this book and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, today they are, are scorned, we are scorned and ridiculed. Can I get an amen? We are labeled and have been labeled, Christians have, uh, as extremists and bigots. And, and uh, they look at us and feel that we're really not, uh, you know, someone a few years ago called us deplorables. Amen. And uh, that's kindly the way we're looked at today, that we're not worth the air that we breathe. And they would love nothing more than to silence our voice and to shut us down and to stop us. And ladies and gentlemen, there is a concern today that the church in America will be persecuted just as the church is being persecuted in other parts of the world. There's a concern about that. And that day may not be as far off as we think. We have thought about it, we've talked about it, we've preached about it, we've read these verses of Scripture. The Bible says Paul the Apostle told Timothy that all who would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we read that verse and we look and see that in America we have pretty much been exempt from that other than people calling us some, a holy roller or something or calling us a name or something like that. But the persecution that we read of that took place in the early church, 
the persecution of the church and the saints that, we're, that we know that took place through Bible history to the first century, second century, third century church, uh, to those Christians, we have not experienced that in our life, neither have we experienced that here in the United States. But the Judeo-Christian morals upon which this country was founded are unacceptable to the liberal left. Are you listening to me? Their goal is to replace. Now you can believe this if you want to or not. It really doesn't matter. I'm telling you the truth. But their goal is to replace religious faith with our Christian faith with their progressive socialist agenda as the ruling norm in the new world order. And there is a new world order that's being promoted and there is a spirit that, um, that is, to, is trying to institute a globalism. You know, we hear a lot uh, spoken about that and I'm going to tell you that's one reason why that Trump was not accepted by uh, um, the majority or of the uh, politicians in Washington and the deep state because they're all globalists and he's not a globalist. He stood for and stands for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and for our freedom to worship. But there's a move there today, ladies and gentlemen, that's in the world today to... um, to bring the church together and um, that everybody just be of one faith, amen? And that's not going to work, amen? I said that's not going to work. The message of the cross and the gospel of Jesus Christ is offensive to the world today, so Christians, believers, tend to be mistreated. But throughout history, and here's the thing we need to understand and realize And that is that throughout history, the church has always been the most vibrant, the most, and flourished mostly when they were in times of persecution than they have during times of prosperity. We love the blessings, to live under the blessing and to have everything going smooth and all of that. That's all wonderful. But the church has always been at its best in times of persecution. And I really do believe that the hostility against the church of Jesus will increase and things are going to get uglier in the future. It is a sign of the end time. Jesus here in this 13th chapter of Mark, as we pointed out last Sunday, is talking about those signs of the coming of the end of the age. And then he begins here, after he had talked about uh, earthquakes and wars and famines and pestilence and said that these are the beginnings of sorrows. And, but then he says, watch out for yourself. And the next thing he begins to talk about concerning the end of the age is persecution. Of course, we know he was dealing with them, those who he was talking to there, his disciples and that early church who faced persecution. But I believe this is relevant for the body of Christ as well today. I do believe that we are going to face some difficult times. Again, I'm not up here today to try to make everybody feel bad. I think everybody feels bad already. I'm going to try to lift you up here in a minute. But uh, we we got to understand something today that the church is, I, I just can't see us just flowing through without suffering some kind of persecution here in the United States when we see it taking place all over the world. Christians are dying for their faith, being locked up, being arrested, being beaten. All sorts of things are happening because of of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But we just want to sail on through and not have any difficulties at all. 
And um, it, it concerns, I think, I really think, I really do believe, ladies and gentlemen, that there is, there is a sifting of the church that is going on. There is a purging that's taking place. There is a separating, and, and it's, it began with the, the coronavirus. It began uh, with the lockdown in the spring and, and all of that. There's some people that, church, there's churches that have not, there are churches that have have not opened back up since March when the first lockdown took place. And now there's a, there's a man that is the alleged, alleged president-elect that has already said he's going to lock down everything. But I'm going to tell you something today. I'm going to say this today. They were dancing in the streets of New York and everywhere else last night celebrating, and it seemed like that it's okay to have mass gatherings again. So I would just say to the churches in New York City that have been closed down under a, a, a Democratic governor mandate in California that have been shut down because of the mandate, I'd say open your doors and have church and let Jesus Christ be Lord of your life praise God again I say it probably won't last long on, on social media but that's okay the message of the cross of Jesus Christ is as I said is uh, offensive to the world we're in for some difficult times but we need to know today what to expect and we need to know how to respond to the persecution that we may face in the coming months or years ahead. Now Jesus here in this passage gives us the reasons why we will the reason why that the church will be persecuted and in verse 9 of that 13th chapter he said you will be brought before rulers and kings notice for my sake and you will be hated, verse 13, he said, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. So Jesus is saying here that the reason there will be persecution in the church will be because of our identification with the Lord Jesus Christ and with the name of Jesus. Can I tell you today, I don't think it's a big secret that the world hates Jesus Christ. The spirit of this world today hates Jesus. And, and the reason the world hates Jesus today is because of what Jesus came to do. Jesus came, John said in 1 John 1 and Eight, that, that for this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might, what? Destroy the works of the devil. So Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan. He came to raise up a standard against the sin of the world. He came to raise up a standard against the world's materialism, the debauchery and the adultery and their pride and racism and hatred. Jesus came to destroy the works of Satan, those perverted lifestyles, the murdering of, of little babies and all that's going on today in, in, in our nation and in the world. Jesus came to say that is wrong. And he came as a light to shine light in the darkness. And the Bible says that, that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. They don't want the light to be turned on. They love the darkness. Evil people love the darkness. And this world, this world is in a state of darkness. This world is under the control and under the sway of the evil one, the Bible says. And so there is a hatred today for the Lord Jesus Christ by the world. And Jesus himself said in John chapter 15, verse 18, he said, if the world hates you, you know that, it, that, that the world hated me before it hated you. He said, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Jesus went on to say, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you you. 
And he said in verse 21, All these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have have no sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Jesus is saying right there that they that they hated him, they persecuted him, and they will do the same to us simply because Jesus exposed the sin of the world for what it is. He uncovered it, and they have no excuse, and they have no cloak for their sin. And any born-again Bible believer and Bible-believing church that stands for righteousness and stands against the sin of this world and stands for this book will be persecuted in these last days. That compromising, lukewarm church will, will escape the persecution. They're going to go with the flow. They're going to uh, acquiesce to everything that they're commanded and demanded to do. But the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ will not compromise, will not submit, but will stand strong with the word of Almighty God. And we've got to make that decision determination today amen we've already seen many that have drifted away have lost out and and as I said there's a purging there's a sifting that's going on in the body of Christ but we've got to make up our minds today ladies and gentlemen we've got to decide that whatever comes and whatever goes and whatever the enemy brings against us that we will not be moved from our faith but we will stand strong and we will stay with this Bible and we will continue to preach and, and stand and believe what thus saith the word of Almighty God. Amen. Are you with me today? <laughs> Praise God. So we will be persecuted because of our identification with Jesus. We will also be persecuted because our lives are a testimony against this world. Matthew 5 and 10, Jesus in the, in the Sermon on the Mount said that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. See, the world hates us because we're not like them. They hate the church and Bible-believing Christians. This world system does because we're different than what they are. And the world would love and wants to, this is their agenda, to squeeze us into their mold and make us like them. But we are not, according to the Word of God, to be conformed to this world. Is that not what Paul said in Romans chapter 12? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I love J.B. Phillips' translation of that verse. He says, do not let the world squeeze you into its mold. Sadly, many Christians and many churches today have allowed the world to squeeze them into their mold, into its mold. But we've got to not be conformed to the world, not to be squeezed into the mold of this present evil age. They will try to force us to accept their beliefs, their agenda. See, Christians, we've been twice born. We've been born again. And we're living today as twice born believers. We are in a world of once born people. And we're going against the tide. And, and, and we're going against all of the ways of this world. And Jesus said that that straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life. And he said, few there are that will find that way but he said broad broad is the way wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction and many are going to be on that road see we're on a narrow way and I think I've said this before that we picture the broad way where the majority of the people are that leads to destruction over here and then we uh, picture that straight and narrow way where the 
where the church is, the true church is, over here, and we're going one way and they're going another way, but I, 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 I feel like that that narrow way is not over to the side somewhere, but that narrow path is right down the middle of that broad way. So while they're going one direction, we're on this path going right up through the middle of there going the other direction. We're, we're swimming upstream. We're going against the flow. The agenda today is get the church to compromise and go with everybody else and go with the flow. And when we, when we refuse to do that, that's when the persecution will come in. But we've got to, we've got to be determined today, church, that we're not going with the flow of this ungodly world. We've been called out of the world. We've been separated from it. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Praise God, we're going to stand for what is right. And I'm going to stay, hallelujah, on the straight and on the narrow road, on the old pass, because that is the good way today. That is the good way. We are the children of light. The world, they are the children of darkness. So there's a difference in us and this world, and we will not conform. Jesus also said that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Isn't that what he said? You know, we talked about salt. We've talked about how that salt is a preservant and how that salt adds flavor to things. And that's supposed to be the influence that the church has in the world today, that we influence the world as a preserving agent and as a, as a seasoning to the world. Can you imagine? Let me tell you, this, this old world is corrupt today. Can you imagine how corrupt, how much more corrupt that it would be without the presence of the church, without the, the light of the world, the church being here? And so we're a preserving, we have a preserving effect. We, we do hold back the corruption. I don't think we're doing a very good job of it. But, uh, amen, we, 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 we do add some flavor to this world but there's something else about salt and that is that salt is an irritant have you ever got a a little bit of salt in a cut I got a little cut here on my hand you know and uh, uh, it's it's kind of healing over but when that cut is open to get some salt in there boy you know it's there it it stings and it irritates and do you know that's one that's another one of the characteristics of the church today of born-again believers in the world you know you just irritate if you're living for Jesus you just irritate the fire out of people that are not saved whether it be on your job or in your family you're not intending to do it but just your presence irritates them and the presence of a spirit-filled blood-bought church holy living church in this world the presence of that church irritates this world it stings their conscience amen we as the church are the fly in the world's ointment and they hate us today and Jesus said they hated me they will hate you now are y'all excited yet <laughs> praise God Jesus said that some would be beaten in verse 9 and verse 12 that some would even be put to death he said that, that, that we would be brought before rulers and kings who would interrogate us in, concerning the preaching, our preaching and our doctrine. Believers would be hunted and hounded and beaten and some would even die for their faith that they preached. Back in 2014, I don't know how many will remember this, but back in 2014, the, the mayor of Houston, Texas, a female who was uh, a lesbian, um, asked for five local conservative pastors to turn over their sermon notes uh, about a contra concerning a controversial new uh, ordinance that was to ban discrimination against the LGBT people. And uh, that subpoena demanded to see the notes of these pastors and any preaching that related to homosexuality or gender identity. 
And, uh, you know, that was back in 2014. And there were five pastors that were targeted. But I remember, if I remember correctly, what happened that pastors all over the city of Houston, Texas, everywhere when they heard this, all packed up their sermon notes and sent them to the governor and said, or to the mayor of Houston and said, now what are you going to do with all of this? And nothing else was ever said about it. That was six years ago. But can I tell you what? That uh, we can expect more of the same going forward in America today. They will try to censor us. They already do it on social media all the time. You know, they will try to censor us and things like that for us to not be able to preach against things that are against the Word of God. That, that, that early church, that New Testament church in the book of Acts was rocked by persecution. When you read the book of Acts, we, you know, we like to preach on Acts 2 and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and 3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost. But the there was persecution that rocked that church through, throughout its beginning and all the way through. When you read the book of Acts, we see in chapter 4 that Peter and John faced the Sanhedrin, had to give an account of the healing of that lame man. Uh, they were beaten and they were commanded not to preach in the name of Jesus. Stephen was stoned to death and James was beheaded by Herod. Peter was later arrested by King Herod and put in prison with the intent of executing him but Peter because the church prayed was miraculously delivered from prison by an angel Paul was stoned and left for dead Paul and Silas were in prison in Philippi beaten and chained up in that dark dreary prison cell but in the midst of that they still prayed and sang praises to God and God got them out of there Paul remained a prisoner in Rome until he was executed by Nero and as the end of the church age draws closer folks there will be I believe an intensification in persecution this is one of the signs pointing to the end of the age one of the birth pangs. Jesus went on to say in our text that there would be religious persecution. He said it would come from religious councils, from synagogues, and from religious people. This, that refers to um, religious uh, organizations that will bring persecution. As I mentioned, the ecumenical movement that is on the rise to bring in a universal one word world church which will be, which will be in effect during the tribulation period. There will be a one world government and a one world church and a one world world religion that will worship the beast but that spirit is already here and the move is on to bring all faiths together as one Christians and Muslims and Hindus and everybody worshiping together and believing the same thing the only thing is we're the ones that have to compromise our beliefs to go along with what they believe and we're just not going to do that can I get an amen there will be religious persecution but there will also be government persecution Jesus spoke of going before rulers and kings the leaders the government leaders the politicians thank God our constitutional rights we have to for those rights to worship the Lord and to assemble together and to uh, praise God and to preach the gospel but can I tell you something today that those constitutional rights are being ignored and violated churches have been mandated to close by governors in California New York and other democratic run states uh, pastors have been fined and have been threatened and have been brought to court and brought before judges because they have defied that order and continue to have church. Thank God for those ministers that have defied the order to shut down and that are still having church and coming together and assembling together. Amen. Praise God. 
And I'm going to tell you, the churches that I know of in California that have defied Governor Newsom's order to go ahead and have church, I'm telling you what, while all the other churches are shutting down, those ones that are opening that I'm aware of have, have had record turnouts, record crowds, because there are, believe it or not, there are still some people that love Jesus and that want to assemble together and worship God even in the midst of a pandemic. Thank God we can come together. And we've got to take that stand when those mandates come down. So there will be government persecution. It's already considered hate speech in Canada. Just our northern neighbors to preach a message against homosexuality or the LGBTQ agenda. To preach against that is considered hate speech. And one pastor that I am aware of, maybe even more, was arrested and jailed because he preached in Canada, not in Pakistan, in Canada, because he preached from Romans chapter 1 against the homosexual agenda, preached that it was sinful. So persecution, persecution from the government will intensify in the last days. Jesus also said that there would be domestic persecution where brother would betray brother to death. The father, the son, in verse number 12 there of Mark 13, children rise up against their parents and, and shall cause them to be put to death. See, persecution can even come. It can come through religious organizations. It can come through the government. But persecution can also come from those in your own home or family. Amen? That happens an awful lot of the time. Jesus said himself that, uh, that a man's foes would be those of his own house. And there are people today, there are homes today uh, that have been divided because of the, of, of the faith that they have, of, that one of those members has for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are wives today that are saved, that have unsaved husbands, that face the fury of that unsaved husband after they go to church and go home because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's teenagers today that are ridiculed and have parents that oppose the faith that they hold. And there's many that suffer at home because they attend a Bible-believing church. So there's, there's, there's the separation of homes and families. And I believe that will increase as we get farther into the latter days. But here's another one, ladies and gentlemen, I think that we can see that's on the rise as well, and that's social persecution. Jesus said that you will be hated of all men for my name's sake. Let me tell you, there is, and we see this every time you turn on the television, there is verbal abuse that is being spewed today by the media and by Hollywood against Christian believers. I mean every TV show, on TV shows, if they have a preacher on there, preachers are, are and Christians are made to look like fools and charlatans and crooks. The message today of Hollywood is that it is socially acceptable to hate Bible-believing Christians. Y'all ain't even listening to me, are you? Media has equated Christians with violent groups such as the Taliban, ISIS, Hamas, and the Ku Klux Klan. Christians seem to be the only religious group today that it's okay to ridicule and to speak against. But we better not say anything against Islam or, or oppose them anyway. But it's okay. It's okay for Christians and Christianity to be talked about and maligned and ridiculed. You may not get a promotion on a job or you may not be invited to a social event, 
or may not make a certain sports team simply because you are not ashamed to stand up for Jesus and say that you love him and that you live a righteous lifestyle. So there's social persecution as well that will intensify. I know my my cousin was, and I remembered this, but she was telling me when she worked for a particular company, she had a supervisor that was a Muslim that gave her fits that caused her my cousin all kinds of problems and troubles and and persecuted her simply because my cousin's faith in Jesus Christ and she was not ashamed to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ so what is our response to persecution I think I've laid the case out from what Jesus said in this passage that persecution is going to come. And I know people say, oh, no, 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 not here in America. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying as your pastor today. I'm not trying to paint a dark, bleak picture, but to prepare you, to prepare us for what is ahead, what I feel is ahead, should the Lord tarry his coming. Now, the rapture could take place and... Boom, we'd be out of here before that ever started. But um, thank God, that'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Amen. But if the Lord tarries his coming, we must be prepared for what is ahead. So what should our response be to this? What should our response be to the, um, um, the, the results of Tuesday's election? And I know so many people, evangelical, Bible-believing Christians and uh, conservative believers are discouraged and down. I can tell by looking at a lot of people's faces today. But, uh, man, listen, our response to what has happened, what's happening now, and what's going to happen, our response as believers is that we are not not to be discouraged. The, the, the purpose of this message today is to let you know what Jesus said was coming, but not to discourage you. My purpose today is to encourage you, to put some faith in you, to put some life in you. Come on, amen? Because Jesus, and I, I, I talked about it last week, when Jesus began to talk about these signs that were going to come, and he began to talk about all these things that, that were that the wars, the rumors of wars, and all these terrible things. He said in verse 7 that you should not be troubled. See that you do not be troubled. Amen? So that's the message today. That's the encouragement today. Jesus said, don't be troubled. Amen? Now look what he said in verse 11. Put verse 11 up there of this 13th chapter. He's just finished talking in verse 9, verse 10 about the persecution. In verse 10 he said this, the gospel must be preached to all nations. Now what's he saying? That when this persecution comes, you don't quit preaching the gospel. You don't give up on preaching. You don't change your message. You don't back down the gospel must continue to continually be preached and we will continue to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ (laughs) praise God but look at verse 11 put verse 11 up there but when they shall arrest you and deliver you up do not oh here it is do not Worry. See, here's what I'm trying to trying to tell you now. Our response to this is do not be troubled and do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit. Hallelujah. Church, listen to me today. Don't get the idea today. No matter what's going on today in America, no matter what the future may hold, don't get the idea that your Lord is going to fail. Don't get the idea that the kingdom of God is going down the tubes. Don't get the idea that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be defeated. For Jesus said this gospel must first be preached to all nations. The persecution of believers and the church in these last days will not stop and must not stop the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We will not compromise our message and we will continue to come together and assemble together and worship our Lord and preach His Word. Hallelujah. Praise God. We don't know what's coming. We don't know what we would do in the face of being arrested or being jailed or even being tortured for Jesus Christ. You can sit there this morning and think about that. And I've heard people even say, I don't know if I could, if I could give my life for Jesus. And then I've heard others say, oh, I would gladly die for Jesus. They want to die for Jesus and they ain't even living for Him. Very good. Amen. You got to live for Him before you can be ready to die for Him. Amen. You can't, you can't lay out a church week upon end, week upon end, and not ever darken the doors of a church house and think that you are going to one day then when persecution comes say, oh, I'm ready to die. That, that's not going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. And this day, we're living today. If we're going to be ready for the persecution that's coming, we're going to, they sing about it. I want to be close to you. We're going to have to live closer to God, closer to our Lord than we've ever lived before and have more of Him in our life than we ever had. We're going to have to know more of this book than we ever had. We're going to have to have more preaching and more church than we've ever had. I believe that's why the Scripture said not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together so much more as you see the day approaching. It's going to be necessary to be in church more in these last days days as persecution comes our way. Amen? So I don't know if they come in here right now and say you stop preaching that gospel or you will be arrested. <laughs> I don't know what I would say if they hauled me down to the jailhouse and put me in the pokey. I've been there before, but not for preaching. Amen. I don't know what I would say, but Jesus said that you won't know what you would do or what you would say when you face that time. But Jesus did give a wonderful promise. He said, when it comes, don't worry about what you'll say. He said, trust me. Because what he said, it will be given you what to say when the time comes. He's not talking about they're preparing a message or, or getting up to preach. I, I've heard preachers say that. Well, you know, Jesus said, don't, don't premeditate. Don't think, just get up there and just at that moment it'll be given. He's not talking about preaching and teaching. That does require preparation and study. But he's talking about in the time of persecution. When you're arrested and you don't know what you're going to do, what you're going to say. He said, don't worry. Just trust me because it will be given you in that hour what you're to say. Hallelujah. It's the grace of God. And I love what he said there. Listen, here it is. Here's the key, here's the key. Because Jesus said, For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. See, here's the key, church. You can, you can, you can take the persecution that's coming. You can overcome whatever persecution comes our way. The church will overcome persecution. You know why? Because we're not going to be faced 
blessing it alone. Jesus said, it's not you, and it's not your strength, and it's not your ability, but he said, it's the Holy Spirit that is in you. Hallelujah. See, it's the Holy Spirit, church, that gives the power and gives the boldness to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and to stand against severe persecution. And I'm telling you what, believers, you need the Holy Spirit. You need more of the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit for the days and what's coming ahead. Amen. That's why Jesus told them, you know, before the day of Pentecost, don't you go out and do anything until you go and you are endued with power from on high. We're, we've, got, we're, we've got powerless Christians, powerless churches. Pentecost has, 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 has drifted from what they one time were. And what we need today is a fresh, an anointing with some fresh oil of the Holy Spirit and to receive a fresh boldness and emboldening by the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, don't worry about it because it's not you. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit. We need to be overflowing with the Spirit of God who will energize us and empower us and embolden us. Jesus said, you will receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Hallelujah. So he gives us the promise that we won't have to go through it alone, but we'll know how to deal with it when the time comes. Jesus said that persecution would be an opportunity for us to rejoice. Just like y'all doing right now. Bubbling over. He said in Luke 6, 22, he said, Blessed are you, Jesus said this, Blessed are you when men shall hate you. <laughs> Do we ever consider that a blessing? We should. Blessed are you when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company. And let me throw this in, when they unfriend you on Facebook. <laughs> Praise God. When they shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake, he said, rejoice in that day. And look at this, leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. He's saying there, you know, if you're persecuted for my sake, if you're persecuted for righteousness' sake, that, that means something. You know what that means? That means the world can tell the difference in your life. They can tell you belong to Jesus. That ought to make you happy, ladies and gentlemen. That ought to make you shout. Amen. That should give you indescribable joy today to know. Hallelujah. Listen, you're in good company because Jesus said, so they also persecuted the prophets which were before you. That puts me in good company. When people hate me because of my stand for Jesus, when people, uh, you know, want to revile you, when they want to separate themselves from you and they persecute you and they say stuff, tell lies on you, you know what Jesus, he just said, just get up and I just got up the other day in my office sitting there all by myself and read that verse and I just got up and started jumping up and down saying glory to God hallelujah I rejoice in the midst of persecution well praise God worship team make your way back in Acts chapter 5 the apostles had been arrested twice. <laughs> they were arrested in Acts chapter 4 and threatened and told not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Stop it. We're mandating you stop it. That was Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 5, they're right out there preaching again. <laughs> Amen. You know, you got people saying, oh, you got to obey the, the laws of the land. <laughs> Not when it goes against God's laws. Amen. 
So in Acts 5, they're out there preaching again. And they arrest them again. And they told them not to preach. They threatened them, demanded that they not preach. And then they gave them a good thrashing. They thought they'll remember it this time, so they gave them a good whipping. And, and in Acts 5.40 it says, And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, and they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go, and they departed, notice this, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. But that didn't end there. And daily, what had they just commanded them to do? What had they just got a beaten for? What had they just got whipped for and told not to do? Don't preach no more. But then verse 42 says, And daily in the temple and in every house they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. That has got to be the stand of you as a believer in the, of, of this church and every Bible-believing church. What an honor. What a privilege. What a reward is ours today. What a great company to be included in. Those early Christians, the prophets of old, the apostles. That's an awesome thing. Hey, man, don't be discouraged, church. Listen, don't be discouraged. I don't know. You don't know what's going to happen unless God has revealed to you what's going to, what the outcome of the election is going to be. But I can tell you what, it's too early to call it, for them to call it and rejoice. God has a way of turning things around. Is anybody here today? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I mean, you know, the Egyptians thought they had Israel at the Red Sea. There was no way out of that mess. It was a done deal. We got them. But all of a sudden, oh, and, and God always has a way of doing what he does at the last moment, at the last hour. And it was right then God just said, Take that rod, Moses, stick it out. Stick it out there over the, over the sea. And all of a sudden, God parted the ocean and made a way through. And the Egyptians, hallelujah, were drowned in the Red Sea. And God said, you ain't going to see them dudes no more. Hallelujah. God has a way. See, it was, it was too late. When Lazarus was dead for four days, he was put in the grave, and Jesus didn't show up. And when he got there, Martha and Mary came out and said, you should have been here four days ago. It's too late now. The results have already come in. Come on. It's too late for you to do anything now, Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus is always in time, on time, every time. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's going on. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Haman had it all plotted out how he was going to exterminate the Jewish race. Hallelujah. He had a gallows built for that old Jew, Mordecai, who was that holy, righteous dude. And he hated him. Why? Because he wouldn't bow down to his agenda. And he said, I'm building a gallows for him. But I'm telling you just on the day that he planned to hang Mordecai, out, his plot was exposed. His plan was revealed. And God already had an Esther in place to bring out the victory. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory to God. So I'm saying, don't give up right now or ever. I hope the Facebook gurus are hearing me. <laughs> my Trump flag will fly on my front porch until after the inauguration. <laughs> Glory to God! I'm probably in trouble now. Jesus said... In that 13th verse. 
But he who endures to the end shall be saved. I'm going to read one more verse, can I? Revelation 2.10, write it down. Revelation 2.10, do not fear. Words of Jesus to a church. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, words of Jesus, indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. So if it comes to that, preachers being thrown in jail, the devil is the one doing it. The devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Notice what he said. But be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Praise God. Hallelujah. We can't lose. I said we can't lose. Whoever's in the White House, we can't lose. The church I'm talking about, we are going through and we will win. Come on, stand. And let's worship the Lord. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Amen. I told them we already sang this song, but I want us to close out with this song today. Amen. Victory in Jesus. How many's got the victory? How many's going to keep the victory? It's in Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on and pray. I heard an old, old story how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his glory. Of his precious blood's atonement When I repented of my sins And won the victory